Welcome to the Skift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. Anyone who follows travel knows that Expedia has been making a lot of news lately. Now former CEO Dara Khosrowshahi left to take the top job at Uber, and Expedia promptly promoted its CFO, Mark Okerstrom, to the chief executive position. At Skift, we've been all over this story since the news broke late one recent Sunday night, so we put together a team to do a newsy conference call in early September about Dara's legacy, his replacement, Expedia's financial performance, and the opportunities and challenges ahead. We recorded that call, and on today's episode of the Skift Podcast, we'll play it back for you. There are some references to slides, which can be viewed at skift.com slash Expedia Slides. Leading the call was Skift Executive Editor Dennis Shaw, who has been covering Expedia since 2000. He was joined by Senior Research Analyst Jared Ween, Research Director Luke Bajarski, Hospitality Editor Deanna Ting, and Senior Writer Andrew Shavakman. I'm news editor and podcast host Hannah Sampson, but you will not hear my voice again until the very end of this podcast. Here's the discussion on Expedia under new leadership. Dennis Shaw gets it started. So I'll kick it off. By most accounts, the leadership changes are a plus for Uber and a blow for Expedia. After all, Dara led Expedia since its beginnings in 2005 and even before that with Barry Diller at ISE Travel. He acquired almost every travel band under the sun. Roll call, please. Hotels.com, TripAdvisor, Travelocity, Orbitz, and HomeAway, to name a few. He helped spin off TripAdvisor. He choreographed the Trivago IPO. You name it, a very experienced executive. But now there's a new team in town. Mark Orkestrom is the new CEO. After listening to him and interviewing him over the years, uh, he knows everything about the company down to how the algorithm works. Uh, I thought for many years that he was the heir apparent. He's been involved in all of Expedia's key strategy decisions, including buying Trivago and HomeAway. And Barry Diller even said when uh, they made the announcement that there was no other candidate even, even considered for the Expedia CEO post. Alan Pickerel, the new CFO, has been on board in a variety of roles since 2008. So they also have a, uh, a strong, uh, strong bench and experienced and well-regarded brand leadership among the various Expedia companies. Uh, Aman Bhutani at Brand Expedia Group, John Kim at HomeAway, Rob Greiber at travel management company Agencia, and Johan Svanstrom at Hotels.com and the Expedia Affiliate Network. That being said, there's plenty of risk for Expedia and lots of unfinished business that Dara left behind. After all, running a company as large as Expedia, the Priceline Group, or TripAdvisor, with all of their moving parts and the complexity of the business, is rocket science to a degree. And Dara wasn't always the most successful guy on the scene. For example, in 2016, he told me, uh, as part of Skiff's oral history of online travel, that he wasn't very good as CEO in the first few years, and that Steve Kaufer of TripAdvisor, which was then part of Expedia, actually saved his butt because TripAdvisor was growing so fast. 
From 2010 to 2014, as Expedia labored to carry out a global technology platform migration, Priceline made mincemeat of Expedia quarter after quarter. You can see in this slide, for example, that in 2010, Expedia's gross bookings were 19% uh, in 2010. The Priceline groups was 46.6%. Expedia's room night growth was 14%. The Priceline groups was 52.3%. At the time, I was wondering, how, how is Dara going to keep his job? This went on for about four years. And as Jared's going to discuss in detail in a, in a few minutes, the Priceline group is still way ahead of the curve. And Expedia stumbled in 2016 when the Orbitz integration put a wrench in the works, a development that Dara characterized at the Skiff Global Forum last year as a humbling experience. So if Mark has a learning curve in the job as Dara did, or if the HomeAway integration goes awry, it could be challenging times for Expedia. Meanwhile, just consider all of the unfinished business and the competitive, and the competitive land, landscape. Mark and team will be charged with completing the integration of HomeAway, bought for $3.9 billion in 2015, pushing homeowners towards instant booking, and turning on the marketing uh, spigots. Expedia has a stated goal of having a, uh, Trivago's EBITDA in 2018 reached $350 million, so that's a very ambitious goal. There's the Airbnb threat, Expedia's Trivago just lowered its forecast. There's direct booking initiatives, which Deanna is going to talk about. Expedia has a goal of trying to get more global despite not having much of a China policy after Expedia sold Elon to Sea Trip in 2015. So the new Expedia team will have big challenges on, it, on its plate, and they will assuredly be tested. Now we're going to turn to Jared for a look at some of the financials and Expedia's competitive position. Uh, thanks, Dennis. Um, so, you know, as, as we mentioned before, you know, Priceline, you know, despite its size, still continues to dominate the industry and grow. Um, you have organic revenue growth over 15% per year with a $90 billion company is, is quite impressive. Its hotel focus has led to margins that are much higher than its online travel peers, along with higher take rates without having the drag from airlines. Just when we look at the chart, um, one thing to note is that Expedia's 14% growth here is organic, so we take out the, uh, the impact of the home away acquisition. Um, digital ad spend is both a margin headwind and a competitive advantage for both Expedia and Priceline versus smaller peers and uh, other companies trying to break into the industry. Within digital ad spend, 25% is rough, roughly is on Meta, and the bulk of the remaining 75% is on Google. Now, if you run a search for hotels in any major city 10 times, you're likely to see the same OTA-owned brands and their Meta search companies. The hotels themselves tend to focus more on high ROI search terms that contain the brand name or narrow conditions like luxury hotel on 51st Street. Priceline's $3.5 billion and Expedia's $2.3 billion digital ad spend are very steep obstacles to overcome and make the two brands dominant in the U.S. and Europe. At the same time, spend on Google is growing 20-25% per year as winning clicks becomes increasingly competitive, and this continues to weigh on margin. The scale of Expedia and Priceline 
does help spread other fixed costs like infrastructure and salary over a larger revenue base that smaller companies simply can't do. Uh, C-Trip is much earlier in its growth phase and should see continued margin expansion as it has consolidated Chunar and Elon, uh, ending coupon wars in the country where effectively commissions were coming down because of the, the, the lower tier players were trying to take share from C-Trip uh, after C-Trip purchased them or take stakes in them. Uh, that has ended. Uh, offline travel to online is still in its early days, and outbound travel, which is in a 20-ish percent range of revenue, continues to grow. Uh, additionally, C-Trip benefits uh, from re less reliance on search engine marketing uh, in a more app-driven world. And then finally, we have the two meta search companies at the bottom, uh, Expedia's Trivago, which Dennis talked about and then guided down later, guided down yesterday, and TripAdvisor, which is dual instant booking and meta. Um, just one thing to note is that the ad budgets there are much, much lower than both Priceline and Expedia. If we turn to the, the next slide where we look at how the two OTAs compare, uh, Priceline's margin has consistently been higher than Expedia's. Both companies, again, spend comparable amounts of gross profit on ad spend. Um, and one thing that's important to note if you're looking at these companies is to look at the percent of gross profit rather than revenue. Uh, because this removes gap accounting noise from gross versus net revenue reporting in Priceline's legacy opaque merchant business. So essentially, in the name your own price model, uh, your, op your, your revenue gets reported on the whole booking, and then there's associated cost of sale where every other type of booking is just the, the, the net uh, amount. Turning to the, uh, the agency and the merchant model, um, so the agency model, simplistically, they're acting as a true agent. And what, what Priceline did when they bought Booking.com is they really emphasized this. And it made it easier to scale. It makes it easier for hotels to come on board. And especially in Europe, this is really important with a lot of independent hotels. And what this has done, and part of the reason they've been able to get large hotel inventory, you know, over the past decade, Booking.com's inventory growth has been remarkable. It's gone from 70,000 in 2008 to 547,000 in 2016. On top of this, Booking.com started pushing more into vacation rentals over the past five years. The first disclosed annual inventory was 110,000 in 2013, but by the end of 2016, this was up five times to 568,000. And its most recent quarter, uh, in the second quarter, Booking.com now has over 1.3 million properties uh, with 619,000 hotels and 721,000 vacation rentals versus Expedia, uh, which has 435,000 hotels, um, but much larger vacation rentals, of course, with HomeAway at over 2 million, of which 1.5 million are instantly bookable. Uh, next, if we turn to the Hitwise data, um, so the following data provides HitWise market share estimates uh, for the US OTAs. And we just want to note this does ignore the app user. Um, so, but barring either Priceline or Expedia having a massive differential in that channel, this should probably be in the ballpark of the OTA uh, market share of bookings. Um, and Booking.com is actually, you know, despite being known for Europe as a single brand, is the largest share of the US market. Uh, but Expedia's namesake and Hotels.com brand combine to control half of the U.S. OTA market. Uh, and Expedia and Priceline combined as a whole are around 90 to 95% of the market. And, you know, we don't want to read too much into the data because obviously it's impossible to know for sure. But based on Hitwise's data, it, it does seem that Priceline has gained some share over the past year from Expedia. Finally, just turning to Expedia specifically, 
if we look at their revenue, um, you know, we just want to say that you know, while home away will become a very important growth driver, especially at, with next year, this year is an inflection year on spend and margins coming up. Uh, the core OTA business still does drive 80% of revenue. And for, for EBITDA, we can see that core OTA business has held in the mid to high 20s. Again, this is much lower than Priceline's Booking.com, uh, which again, by having the agency-focused lodging model, has been in the high 30s. Uh, Trivago, which lowered its guidance yesterday, remains near break-even as it pushes for growth. Its stable margin profile is around 25%, but we definitely need to monitor to that to see if that holds as ad spending gets pulled back outside of its uh, core home markets. Agencia, has, which Andrew will talk about more, has expanded margins as it matures its business. And finally, HomeAway was at 25% margin last year, but of course this has been lower as they've been investing for future growth. Now to hit its $350, $350 million EBITDA target for 2018, uh, we estimate you would need to see continued 30% revenue growth and margin in the, the 30% range. So this is certainly possible. Um, but it could be pushed out until 2019 if investments are more than expected, weighing on near-term margin. Thanks, Jared. Uh, next up is Deanna, who'll provide her take on Expedia's situation on the hotel side of things and some stuff regarding HomeAway and Airbnb. Thanks, Thanks Dennis. Uh, basically, if we were to describe Expedia's relationship with hotels on Facebook, their Facebook status would be complicated. Um, they... <laughs> Earlier this summer, uh, Expedia made some news with regard to its contract negotiations with Hyatt, and luckily for both companies, it ended well um, in a new contract. But the conflict overall was sort of emblematic of a larger, sort of very complicated relationship that Expedia has not only with Hyatt, but with other hotel companies. Um, so about two years ago, the major U.S. hotel companies began these sort of like direct booking campaigns or pushes. Uh, so we had Marriott's um, It Pays to Book Direct. We had Hilton's Stop Clicking Around. And these, these pushes were designed to just basically get consumers to not book on Expedia, but to book on their own brand.com sites. And uh, yeah, so, you know, since then, all of the hotel CEOs, not surprisingly, have said that their campaigns have been working very well. Um, but it, it's still hard to tell exactly, you know, given the metrics that, that we receive about them, whether or not the hotels are winning or the OTAs are winning. But consensus seems to suggest that the OTAs, including Expedia, tend to be doing a little bit better than the hotels. Uh, so another sort of milestone in Expedia's relationship with hotels would be the dimming incidents that took place last year. So last year, um, Dara mentioned that, you know, to, to hotels that if they wanted to, you know, push more consumers to book direct that, you know, they might pay in having their list, their listings dimmed on Expedia sites. Uh, however, so he, he mentioned this in March, but in September dimming was scrapped. So, um, you know, it seems like Expedia sort of realized that maybe it wasn't such a good idea to do that. However, Expedia, while it might have a contentious relationship with some hotel companies, i.e. Hyatt, maybe. Um, it does have good relationships with others like Redline and Marriott Vacations. And interestingly enough, Adara was one of the few OTA CEOs to actually appear at the most recent NYU Hospitality uh, Investment Conference here in June, which, you know, definitely sort of fared well in terms of his perception of 
trying to show that Expedia really did care about its hotel partners. Um, another thing I wanted to discuss is HomeAway. And so here at Skift, I also cover Airbnb as part of my coverage. And um, HomeAway, you know, when, when Expedia bought HomeAway, it was definitely a big move for them. But it seems like HomeAway still, it's, it's sort of playing catch up in a lot of ways in terms of public perception. Uh, so it, it seems like Airbnb has sort of sucked a lot of the air out of the room. And it seems like HomeAway is trying to sort of, you know, retain its position in, in the marketplace. Um, I think for HomeAway and for VRBO and the other HomeAway brands that Expedia owns, it, it's having it's having to deal with competition not only from Airbnb but also from Priceline's own Booking.com and other competitors. Uh, so you know it's been starting to adopt some strategies that are similar to Airbnb, but that's also sort of upset some of the property managers that use the site. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what becomes of HomeAway as, as time goes on. And one thing that I know that hoteliers are looking at is that they think that growing competition from Airbnb might actually work in their favor, making, um, making things a lot more competitive for OTAs like Expedia and for Priceline um, in terms of their contract negotiations with them going forward. Great. Uh, before we get to Andrew, uh, I'll ask Jared or Luke, uh, you know, Deanna mentioned the instant booking about how, you know, some homeowners are, um, you know, they don't want it, you know, and it's probably more of the individual homeowners rather than the property managers. But how important is, you know, getting 90% or 100% of vacation rentals, um, on home away to be instant booking, how, you know, financially and strategically, how important is yeah, that? I think it's very important for a couple reasons. I mean, first part, it keeps people in the ecosystem. So in the old legacy model, you could list the property. Dennis could call Luke and say, hey, instead of us paying this fee, why don't I just email you a contract and you can do it offline? Uh, the second thing is, you know, if it's not instantly bookable and you go to check your property and you put your credit card, there's still a chance this happened to me personally I was trying to book something where you think you're gonna have it booked and you know the next day you find out that the calendar wasn't updated. So it, it's, it hurts kind of the return customer and with conversion by not having instantly bookable. Um, you know, it does obviously the, the, the supplier oftentimes prefers not to be in some cases because they can have more control over who they approve, but it does increase the likelihood that they're going to fill their inventory. Um, and then the third or fourth thing that it does, they can go down more kind of the booking.com model of integrating vacation rentals. So booking.com you know, has much less inventory. It's like seven, 800,000, but it's all instantly bookable and it's all in booking.com after they got rid of villas.com. So it gives Expedia the freedom down the road to push more home away inventory onto the traditional OTA channels. And it's, it's a key plank in having them get to that uh, $350 million EBITDA goal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, they're spending on technology to do that. But then once they do it, you know, it's, it's, it's more efficient and it's more scalable. And that'll help them push toward that 30% margin range that's really needed to get to that EBITDA goal. Uh, Andrew, uh, you're up. Talk a little bit about the uh, corporate travel side of things as it relates to uh, Egencia. Yeah, for sure. So 
corporate travel has actually been a part of Expedia for a long time, more than 15 years. So even though it doesn't get a lot of attention, uh, it's a big part of what they do. So right now, Agencia is the fourth largest travel management company in terms of revenue, but it lags behind other giants like Carlson Wagonly Travel, BCD Travel, and American Express GBT. So in terms of the overall market, it's it's four, but it's lagging kind of behind these other companies that are almost themselves individually the size of Expedia Inc. So Agencia operates in 65 countries and recently went through the process of integrating orbits for business into its stable. So that sort of slowed things down a bit. Um, one interesting thing that hasn't seen a lot of coverage is that in the middle of last year, Agencia actually went through an, an internal reorganization. Instead of breaking up everything by region, you know, uh, Americas, APAC, EMEA, now they basically are two groups, one focused on sales and dealing with clients and the other on content and technology. And this sort of shows the advantage that Agencia has in the space, being very focused on technology, bringing new solutions to market, and sort of understanding what business travelers want instead of being content to sort of just follow the status quo. And um, I think the greater acquisitions of Expedia also play into that, like the recent Silver Rail acquisition. That's, a, that's huge for European business travelers being able to have sort of a one-stop shop to do air, rail, whatever they want. Um, and they're moving towards technology, so is the rest of the corporate travel industry. We see this through other acquisitions like Amex GBT buying KDS. So there's a bit of a tech arms race going on. And Agencia right now has a little bit of an advantage because Expedia at its heart is a technology company. And um, it'll be sort of interesting to see as time goes on how this reorganization affects Agencia's growth going forward. A technology company and a marketing company. Yeah. You know, one thing I was wondering is, is Mark and Dara both emphasized that, um, that this is the year of Agencia, how it's now the fourth largest travel management company and they'd be opportunistically looking you know, for acquisitions. Is, does anyone think is buying one of the traditional TMCs, is that out of the picture? I think that's think? right in the playbook. I mean, they did it a few years ago with Via Travel. Um, I mean, they've shown time and time again that they're willing to acquire interesting companies and especially in corporate travel where sort of volume matters so much that's an easy way to sort of gain ground without having to do it so organically. But then you really have the complexity of the technology integration, given that, like you said, Expedia is a technology company. Some of these other big TMCs are a little bit behind the curve. Right, well, it's more just about, uh, you know, the sales volumes, the relationships with the suppliers, making money off that side, because right now everyone's still trying to figure out technology and um, it's moving towards a future where Corporate travel, business travel is is more like consumer travel. And so, you know, sometimes you have to grow in order to sort of facilitate these changes. Um, yeah, just uh, just in terms of the, the business element of it, uh, I think it's a good pairing there, especially for when you think about just the business travel in general, just from the consumer perspective, and it's moving more towards unmanaged and how you know, Expedia can kind of leverage their expertise there. Um, you know, you're seeing platforms like Travel Perk kind of going after that Ugencia business. So whether or not 
you know, they're going to go after, kind of try to consolidate, consolidate play in terms of some of the other business travel oriented platforms that are out there. Maybe that's something there. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that remains to be seen. Um, Andrew, do you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, I mean, I just think the news actually broke while we were in here, but Hitmonk and Concur are launching sort of an unmanaged business traveler uh, program that's sort of in beta right now. But you can see, you know, sort of combining leisure and business, it's sort of the new wave of what's happening. Right. We do have some questions uh, coming in from the audience, and, and we thank you for that. So one of them is, um, what does Expedia need to do to catch up with PricelinesBooking.com? How much will Expedia move? How much will Expedia move from the merchant model to the agency model? Anybody want to tackle that? Okay, maybe I'm wrong there, but uh, maybe Jared can talk a little bit about that. But in terms of Expedia and its use of the agency model, here we're talking about Hotels.com, right? Which is basically the agency model. If you look at the Expedia group overall as a group, the merchant model only applies to, mostly applies to the airlines portion of the business. So if we're thinking about just, you know, in terms of the impact that, or just the, the, the relative way that Expedia goes after the hotel business, which is mostly through hotels.com, then, uh, you know, obviously the, 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 the agency portion of the agency model portion of the business is still very is already very much in play i would say you know it's really interesting how everything comes full circle in online travel booking.com started with the agency model and you know leapfrogged way ahead of expedia expedia added expedia traveler preference program about four years ago something like that where they in some cases they give the consumer the option of um uh prepaying merchant model or paying at the hotel agency model. And now in the last couple of years, um, booking.com is adding a lot of, a lot more merchant model. It has, you know, Agoda has the merchant model and booking.com is adding it as well. So it's sort of coming full circle. Right. Uh, we do have another audience question. Uh, to what extent are the core Expedia brands at risk of being disintermediated by the metas over time. We've seen uh, instant bookings relative failure and yesterday's Trivago flop, but optimizing for new products takes time in a dynamic marketplace. With strong management and a long-term perspective, what are the chances TripAdvisor, Trivago, et cetera, can, can take value from the OTAs by getting instant express booking right? Um, Luke, go for it. Yeah, instant book. It's a it's a big topic. Meta, um, you know, we're seeing. Obviously, TripAdvisor has had some stumbles with the instant book platform, but you know it, whether or not that's gonna how that's gonna play out from a technology perspective is, I would say, remains to be seen. Uh, clearly, they're de-emphasizing the instant book relative to the meta. Uh, but then again, you know, you, you're seeing players like Skyscanner uh, implement going forward with the instant book platform. So, you know, let's see how that plays out in terms of I mean, disintermediation, the impact that the metas are going to have on Expedia overall. 
you know, it's just just remember that Expedia owns Trivago and powers, you know, up to 30 percent of TripAdvisor's revenues. I mean, you think about uh, how tied in, uh, how dependent the metas are on Expedia, both Expedia and Priceline, then you just have to kind of consider that what what the impact is actually going to be uh be like there so that you know that that's just one consideration yeah i mean we've seen spend on meta search growing you know probably actually outpacing ota growth um but that's also been part of the reason we've seen a lot of meta search consolidation so you've you've seen skyscanner and mamondo um so you know the only real true independent meta, which is you know, dual meta instant book, is, is TripAdvisor. But um, so I think it's, they probably, if you would have asked the question pre-consolidation, I think the answer would have been more possible. But where we are now um, with the major metas already being owned and these guys controlling a marketing channel, it's more shifting away, shifting around of ad budgets and trying to figure out the best approach internally at the corporate level? You know, I think one interesting thing, the way that the uh, Latin America market is playing out adds uh, a lot of color here where we see something that kind of went under the radar, which was Priceline's acquisition of Mundi. And then you have uh, Expedia's stake in Decolar, which is also Despegar. And the, uh, you know, ultimately the opportunity in that market where you see and you know that's just purely conjecture whether or not mundi was a direct kind of competitive play against decalar for the the bigger latin america market on behalf of priceline in terms of uh just getting getting into the consumer uh in, in front of the consumer but nevertheless you see how metas play a pivotal role in actually competing directly with otas um, and it's just uh, just an interesting note to, to, to just to think about that market itself and how Decolar is, is is planning to to IPO relatively soon. So, just in the context of Expedia overall and their competitiveness, I'd just point to that as another you know one of these curveballs that uh, not a lot of people are talking about. Uh, and just you know just kind of brainstorming here in terms of other issues that we we might want to consider in terms of structured and unstructured search and voice search uh the amazons of the world going after and partnering with hotels and how that's going to impact the otas over time is definitely something to be considered um you're seeing you know amazon partnering with with microsoft for example and how is that how's that going to impact google in terms of uh, you know, in terms of their their overall share of the advertising, but and this is obviously long, long term. But you know, nevertheless, these are the kinds of the kinds of things that we're looking at. And then, um, you know, uh, the affiliate business at Expedia is growing at a very rapid pace. It's definitely something we want to consider in terms of its longer term competitiveness. And then I would also just point to uh, their investments in hotel tech beyond what we discussed in terms of its investment in Alice recently. And then um, and then its tours and activities business, which could potentially be you know, something to consider when we're thinking about the successes that TripAdvisor has been having in that, in that space. I have two final related questions. Can the new Expedia team, do they have a chance of catching up to Priceline? And 
Has Expedia been doing a lousy job or is Booking.com just doing such a great job? Well, I think on the, on the first one, I think the question really is, does it matter, right? So, you know, Priceline from a market cap size is, you know, four or five times larger than Expedia. It's way more profitable. Um, so I don't think Expedia can ever catch up to Priceline in terms of size and, and market cap. However, never say never in this world. Right. But I'll <laughs> say, however, it, it's OTA business. You know, it is as it pushes more of a hotel focus and it's trying to push more into different markets. You know, you could see margins breaking into the 30s as in the kind of you know, and that's a different a different part versus Priceline where they're kind of already operating at optimal efficiency and their margins are gonna come down because of digital advertising is just growing faster. So you could kind of see Expedia's core OTA margin come up, but then Priceline margin come down. Um, and then longer term, you know, home away if they, if they get everything right. I mean, it's a really big opportunity and you could see, you know, maybe it doesn't get to Airbnb levels, but it could be get, become a much larger contributor than where we are today. Uh, no, I was just going to say as uh, the recent one fairly recent development was booking.com's play into airlines, which, you know, clearly it's a, that's a kind of a cross monetization play in Europe. But, you know, maybe it points pokes at some relative weaknesses in Priceline's longer term positioning, particularly in Europe, where uh, the kayak brand has, from our knowledge, not done so great with the European consumer. I mean, it's the reason why they went after Momondo to kind of keep uh, compete directly with flights. Uh, you know, so from a hotel perspective, clearly from the technology and the aggregation they've done in terms of supply, it's 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 a no brainer. They're they're killing it. Um, but I'm just thinking about overall in terms of uh, Priceline as a travel platform, what the competitiveness is there. And if you think about Expedia and its uh, diversification and just diversity, whether or not that is a weakness or a strength uh, from, a, a, from a longer term business strategy perspective is I think yet to be seen. And Priceline doesn't have a flawless record. The, you know, they had to uh, take a big impairment charge on the open table acquisition. You know, that's to be determined. And perhaps this uh, getting into airlines will be a distraction uh, for booking.com. You know, they built their whole business on focus, focus, focus. So that remains to be seen. Um, well, we're basically out of time. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, and it certainly shapes up as an interesting few years ahead in the plots and subplots of online travel. Uh, we hope to do this sort of uh, call uh, several times a year when, uh, you know, some, when big news breaks out. So stay tuned for that. Uh, for, for more on all of uh, these themes, two upcoming things. We have a blockbuster Skift research report coming out on Tuesday, a deep dive into the competitive position of the Priceline Group. And of course, on September 26th and 27th in New York, you can hear Mark Okerstrom of Expedia, the new CEO, uh, the CEOs of the Priceline Group and TripAdvisor, among others, and they'll be, I'm sure they'll be addressing these issues and more. Uh, a little housekeeping, we'll be releasing this call as a podcast in the near future, and the slides will be available as well. If you want more information about Skiff Research Products, please email Daniel Calabrese at dc at skiff.com. Thanks, everybody. 
You heard Dennis mention the forum, so here's a little more detail. Skift Global Forum is coming right up on September 26th and 27th in New York City. Find out about this and other events at forum.skift.com. This show was produced by Ben Glowey, who can be found on Twitter at visible underscore sound. Assistant editor Sarah Enlow provided additional support. To subscribe to this podcast, search for Skift on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and a comment to help other listeners find us. Past episodes and a link to subscribe are online at podcast.skift.com. And this has been the Skift Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.